What's up, y'all? This is Chitty Bang, and I'm on the Renegade Millionaire Show, the podcast that profiles entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs. Join us as we go one-on-one inside the hearts and minds of some of our generation's best and brightest. And now, introducing your host, my friend, Sun Group Wealth Partners Managing Director, CNBC and Forbes.com contributor, Winnie Sun. Hi there, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Renegade Millionaire Show. It's your host, Winnie Sun, welcoming you from beautiful TuneIn Studios in Venice Beach. As you know, I'm financial advisor and managing partner of Sun Group Wealth Partners here in beautiful Southern California. I had a really interesting factoid today. Did you know the catering industry has cooked up a new recipe for growth? In recent years, sales of social caterers in the U.S. were forecasted to reach approximately over $9 billion U.S. dollars in sales. Huge, huge numbers. In the coming years, industry forecasts to experience continued improvement in both consumer spending, hospitality, and corporate profits to all-time highs. And I think especially now with the new millennial generation, even more so, catering is becoming the preferred way uh, to entertain. And with that, I'd love to introduce Jennifer Naylor. Jen, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, you are certainly the success story in so many ways. You know, we've, we have had the opportunity to interview several chefs and people of the culinary world. But, you know, a lot of people talk about how they, they love to cook for the, the, the art of cooking. I'm sure you feel that way. But what's really unique about your situation, Jen, is that you have made this a very successful way um, of living, very successful financially as well, not just for an art. Is that right? Uh, yes, I think your statements earlier are quite correct that it's become a, a very popular way for people, especially uh, where I'm based in Los Angeles and Malibu, to entertain. So, um, yeah, it's been very, very good for us. <laughs> and you come from lineage of people in the culinary world. In fact, your grandfather is the famous Tiny Nailer, right? That's right. <laughs> famous for the drive through restaurants in the 50s and 60s with the roller skating waitresses and the, the food brought right out to your car window and um, all the googie architecture and lots of, lots of firsts, lots of famous patty melts and milkshakes and all kinds of good stuff. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Jen, can you share with us kind of your journey and how you um, started off and became a chef? Absolutely. Well, uh, I, my father, Biff Naylor, also followed in my grandfather, Tiny's footsteps, and he is a, a restaurateur for all his life. Um, And so when it came time for me to go to school, he said I could go and study anything I wanted. And um, I was very interested in the arts. And I I went to art school at SMU, and I uh, was a studio art and art history major, the Spanish minor. And then I came out and, um, of course, went right into the restaurant business because that's what all my family does. (laughs) So I went to work for my father and all my uncles who had a restaurant uh, company uh, 
a business together that had all of their restaurants and um, I learned the business from them. And then I, I decided I really wanted to apply my art background and I was studying um, the different chefs in LA and uh, reading up and there were very few female chefs at the time. And uh, I was following the girls, Susan Fenneger and Mary Sue Milliken. They were, they're now the two hot tamales from Border Grill, but mm-hmm. they were some of the only women chefs at the time. And I was following their career. So I went to um, work with them and start out with them and, um, and then moved my way along uh, a couple of different places and, you know, learning my chops along the way, paying my dues. And then I ended up um, working with Wolfgang back in the 80s, late 80s, and um, at a great restaurant he opened that was a brewery called Eureka. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I ended up staying with Wolfgang for over 15 years um, and had a really fantastic career with him and uh, ran his flagship restaurant in Malibu for him for many, many years. Granita, and right? The man- Granita, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then, but all along the way, I was doing catering. I became interested in the catering. My uncle was in the uh, MTV video music when MTV first came out. Mm-hmm. And my cousin and I would go cater the videos and um, bring food to the sets. Oh, and fun. it was just fun for me. I loved it. And so... When everything wrapped with Granita, I was doing catering all along the way throughout my restaurant career. And all of my clients in Malibu were calling me and asking me if I would come cook for them and where where are we going to eat and how could you be leaving us? And <laughs> so I soon figured that I could turn this into, you know, the only business that I would do and not be in the restaurants. And I started temporarily not being sure about that and then eventually just realized that I really enjoy just doing the catering after all my years in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just, it's been going for 10 years now. And um, just keep growing, spreading our wings throughout all of L.A. and Ventura and up in Santa Barbara and wow. the yeah. O.C. and everywhere. Yeah, you are certainly one of L.A. or Southern California's premier caterers and like one of the most popular. We've talked to several people and, and I, the who's who everybody uses. Jen? Well, I think just I have so many clients that I've had for so many years. And when you're in L.A., there's a lot of people in the movie industry. And I started back when I was in my 20s with some of these people. And, um, you know, they've just I've catered for them throughout all the years when their kids were born and then their kids would... <laughs> have their, you know, 16th birthday parties, and then they'd be bought mitzvah maybe, or they'd, mm-hmm. you know, get engaged and then married and then have children, and then pretty soon you're doing their kids' kids' parties, <laughs> not to age myself or anything, or date myself, but, you know, you kind of get brought along people's lives through all of the most meaningful times in their lives because they're bringing you in for their celebrations, and so it's really meaningful work in that way, and you have a lot of these clients that you just it all passes through word of mouth, and you know I've been very blessed. So, Jen, I think you brought on a really interesting point in the beginning. You said, you know, at the time there weren't a lot of female executive chefs who were really doing amazing things, like Susan and Mary, and you were working with them. How has that changed in in your perspective? How has that changed? That environment changed for women. Well, it's really tough when I first started out. Let me tell you. Um, it was definitely a man's world, and especially 
uh, back in the 80s even, which doesn't seem that long ago that it would be like that, but it was. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was people like Mary Sue and Susan and the Nancy Silvertons and um, that kind of paved the way for a lot of people and a lot of women. And uh, even Wolfgang sent me to Europe, and I remember working in Europe, and it's very much like that in Europe. It's a lot of the women, the mothers and the uh, sisters are in the kitchen, but the men are really the highly respected ones and the ones that are out front. And um, I would have male chefs just push me out of the way and take my paws out of my hands. You had to be very tough and very aggressive to stand your ground and make your way. And uh, But then I went to work for a female chef in Italy. She had... Um, just gotten her third Michelin star named Nadia Santini. Wow. And she was one of the only uh, top Michelin star female chefs. And um, I just learned a lot from her about nurturing and she would take care. She would make food for her kids and for the the cooks and she'd be preparing for her three Michelin star restaurant at the same time for the evening service. And she was just such an amazing woman. And... um, but I just think a lot of women along the way have come through and the Suzanne Goings and the, you know, just there's so many now. Um, it really just opened up in, in the last 20 years, uh, 20, 30 years. And it's become uh, much more a forum for women to be able to participate in. Right. Thankfully, because really the truth is all those famous men chefs that were out there in Europe out in the dining room and getting all the accolades. It was their mothers and their sisters and their nonas, their grandmothers, that were the ones making the recipes, making the food, mm-hmm. doing all the work. And that's where they learned how to cook, right. of course. So it makes sense that the women would be, you know, finally have the respect and the notoriety and hopefully the equal pay that were, you know, Everybody's still trying to get for for women in all areas, um, but yeah, that's that's definitely something new in just in the last twenty or thirty years. Yeah, I found that really interesting. It's similar to my industry, where you know it's a very demanding industry, but there are the women are definitely make up a minority. And there's like no such thing as maternity leave and like little little aspects. And, and and let's face it, being a chef is not easy work. I mean, it's hard hours on your feet, right? Let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I think you've made a very smart and conscious business decision. But all you know, you obviously could compete against the best of them at the best restaurants at three Michelin star restaurants. That's where you've cooked at. But you've made a conscious decision for yourself personally that you prefer to be in catering. Can you talk a little bit about that decision that you made? Well, I think, you know, I did the restaurant business for uh, multiple decades. And I think that, um, and my family's still in the restaurant business. My dad still runs the Dupar's restaurant chain and... um, my brother works with him, and a lot of my family is still in the restaurant business, so it's still in my blood and around me. Mm-hmm. But I love the catering because I love the, the beginning, middle, and end of an event. I love how it changes so much. I love how it is all these fantastic celebrations for people, mm-hmm. milestones in their lives. It's very creative. We've gotten very involved in the planning of the events as well, the 
the decor, the uh, the look, the feel of an event. Um, it just opened up so much more creativity than just the food. Although the food is a passion, and I love that, and I'm you know chef first always, but mm-hmm. I love the whole package. I love the whole the guests come in and their entire experience, <laughs> everything they're going to see and experience and taste and. And just everything, the music and the ambiance and the, the look and the, the entertainment and the interaction, just all of it. It's just really exciting. It is. Let's talk about it. In an average week, how many events do you cater? Well, it really depends because we could do as many as five or six. Um, or if we have a huge event, you know, that's really just over the top, then we just take that one. So it really depends on... It's different all the time, and that's also something that I really enjoy. The rhythm of it is different. It comes in waves, and then there's busy seasons, and then kind of just always thinking on your feet and having people calling you last minute and putting things together. It's just very uh, kinetic energy and action-packed all the time, and it can change at a moment's notice. Somebody calls you, and they need mm-hmm. something tomorrow. We put it together. Wow. But we also have events we've been working on for up to a year at a time, you wow. know, big weddings, big celebrations. So, Well, I know you're really busy you know, during awards season, too. I know you do Oscar parties, Emmy parties, Grammys, and everything else. Yeah, we have big Emmy parties coming up next, right around the corner in September. And, uh, yeah, Oscars is obviously a very big time for Hollywood and everybody in our town. So there's... Uh, I mean, you've done everybody from like from from Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign fundraiser to Garoso's Getty House Foundation. Like every big event has your name on it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, like I said, we've been blessed, and and they're all different, and we're nonpartisan caterers. <laughs> we're, we we uh, equal treat opportunity. With the same respect. We're equal opportunity caterers as well. So, but yes, we've we've been blessed with a lot of fabulous events, and and we love doing it. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, you know, and I think about, like, we, you know, recently I'm working on this project um, and just highlighting different ways of doing business. You know, in the past, you would think, like, you're just like your dad and everybody else, you know, in the restaurant business, then you have a restaurant. But you've been quite brilliant in that. I mean, obviously, it comes from talent and it comes from people loving the core of what you do, which is your food is incredible, and that's why. Because I think there's a lot of people that can't make it in catering because catering is pretty tough, and there's a lot of competition. But to do it so well for so many years at your level is is a big thing. Well, I think, you know, you have to be something I learned from Wolfgang. He's always changing and going with what's what's new, and he's always leading the pack in what's new. and. I think you have to be really malleable to what's going on. And uh, I think that's when we started doing more of the planning and everything when the economy sort of dipped and people didn't want to spend as much money with the the big over-the-top planners. They would ask us to do some of those things. And so we slowly became that for them as well. And you kind of just have to really roll with that and see what's, what's happening and be everything to everyone that you can because that's where all the opportunity is and you have to see where the trends are going and, but it's constantly a creative balance for me. And I have fantastic party coming up. That's, uh, 
with a client who has one of the biggest modern art collections and I get to pair all the food and come up with all the settings in a very modern art sort of way. And so I get to tap into all of my background in art and bring that all back. Full circle. And that's just so fun. It's so fun because it's what you've, described is basically custom dining you're not lo- you're not going cookie cutter everything like your party like you said that the modern art collector is getting food that's paired just perfectly for his party i mean how fun is that and to have a chef of your caliber yeah. that's incredible well it makes it more fun i never wanted to be a corporate sort of uh, cater that has, you know, choose menu A, B, C, choose three or four of these, and it's this, you know, one, two, three. I could never do that. I would last 10 seconds. It's just so boring. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the creativity is what keeps us all going, and it's what makes it exciting for us and then in turn exciting for the clients because we can see their vision and try to uh, come up with all kinds of a storyboard for it and show it to them and then tastings and then you know these things happen over a, a unfold over a period of time and and then like I said then it has the big you know the big reveal of the actual event and then it has closure which the restaurants never had so <laughs> it that's does. sort of fun too because then it's on to the next yeah because it sounds so. like like I mean Jen you sound so happy and I feel like you have a good balance of life because frankly you don't have a restaurant to be over your head to worry about? I have a really good team. I have to say, I have some people I've worked with now for 25 to 30 years. I think that has everything to do with it, too. I mean, you have to really have an amazing team to be able to execute all of this all the time and for them to be able to roll with it and understand the importance of this client or that client or how we just have to drop everything and run here, mm-hmm. you know, or how they all like to participate in the crea- creative aspect of it as well. So, I mean, it's not just me. I think you just have to really surround yourself with talented people and then keep that family together and keep a really talented team around you and, um, again, all stuff I learned from my father and from Wolfgang and, you know, the best advice I can give to people starting out is always go work for the top people in the field that you want to do. Find the best people and start there. Don't start down and work your way up. Just go to the top person. Ask them to do any job. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Wash dishes. It doesn't matter. You'll soak it all in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you learn from the best. And then you can't you can't do anything but win. That's amazing. That's what I always say. I say don't, don't work for the paycheck. Work for the experience. And everything else will fall into yeah, place. Yeah, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. A lot of the kids these days don't really understand that. And mm-hmm. it's hard to find, you know, they want the immediate gratification the way that everything is now with the technological world. And um, But, yeah, you have to pay your dues. I mean, I paid a lot of dues along the way. Right. And I worked for a lot of people for free. Or I went into debt and traveled all over Europe and ate at all the best places. You have to really want it and soak it in and pay your dues. And mm-hmm. then... It'll pay off in the long run. And it's more fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, life needs to be fun. Life needs to be eaten, you know, just like food. So you got to go for it. Yeah. And then so, I mean, obviously, it's a very artistic industry that you're in. But I, it sounds like you run it very, you run a very smart business. You run it like a business, would you say? Well, you have to. I mean, it's not a, a very high profit margin business, food. It's very, you know, you have to be really mindful of your costs. You have to always keep your 
your food costs in line, your labor costs in line, uh, and you really have to, you know, surround yourself with good vendors that know how to really always make you look good and that you can rely on that because you, they're carrying your name as well in the product, mm-hmm. all the vendors that you're bringing in on, the, on an event. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are all key points that you have to be mindful of. It's not just all fun and storyboards and, you know, inspirations. But, uh, yeah, you have to be mindful of all those things. And I think that, again, all those years and background of running restaurants for people and knowing how to, to make those numbers work is, is vital. Okay. I think it's difficult for people to just jump out there and say, I want to do a restaurant, I want to do a business, and not have that background. I think, you know, it's difficult for them to be successful. Right, right. So, Jen, on the days that you're not cooking, where do you like to eat? Oh, gosh, I have my favorites. Um, I love Lily's in Malibu. It's my favorite little taco place. She, <laughs> she does it the best. And all the surfers go there. Um, for high-end, I, I love Gino Angelini. He's always been one of my favorite chefs, and he's amazing. I met him in Italy when I cooked there. And he's got several fantastic restaurants here in L.A. Um, and, uh, you know, I have pals in the business, too, that I like to go see them. But, I mean, there's so many new places. You could just really go somewhere every day and <laughs> never cover it. It's amazing. Right, right. Well, I guess I, I mean, I'm curious, you know, for people who are looking to, to be able to walk in your shoes like you have, you know, um, so you obviously went to, you had a great culinary education. So what would you say, like if someone who wanted to, to basically be Jen Naylor when they grow up, right? College education versus cooking school or culinary school, your thoughts? I mean, I didn't go to culinary school and there's times in my career where I wish I had those, uh, you know, technical information, but you can learn it along the way. And then sometimes I find the kids that come right out of culinary school, they don't know how to move in a restaurant. They don't know how to, they don't know the rhythm of it. I really think you just have to go in, like I said, and uh, work for the best people and start at the bottom and work your way up. That's the only way I know. And I, I know that my younger generation coming up, even my brother Bruno, who you know, mm-hmm. might disagree with me because a lot of kids want it. They, they want to run the track that is uh, going to bring them success much quicker. And mm-hmm. I think I'm really one of those old school people that just put your nose to the grindstone and do the work. And, you know, 20, 30 years later, <laughs> maybe it's going to pay off. But it really is the journey, not the end game. So right. if you're enjoying it the whole way through, then then you've already won. Yes, absolutely. Completely agree with you. Um, so how did you, like, let me ask you this. So how did you finance your business when you first started? Because that's a common um, challenge for a lot of chefs starting off. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've always been a really good uh, saver, and I also just had decided just from seeing a lot of people, especially in the uh, tough economy, um have difficulty. I really made a decision to go slow and steady wins the race and only bite off as much as I can chew, which meant, you know, working with a home office for a while before I could get a real office. And, you know, a lot of business you can just do from anywhere on your computer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
you know, having the benefit of the help of my dad and being able to work uh, in some of the kitchens that we had in the family before I could buy my own place. But I think, you know, basically not biting off more than I could chew and knowing that I didn't want partners um, and I just wanted to do it on my own and just take it a little at a time and um, just being really mindful of it along the way and then growing businesses I could and then purchasing um, our kitchens uh, a couple years ago, took over a bakery and being able to buy in a big industrial space that's a little bit further out that I could purchase instead of rent. I, mm-hmm. you know, saw too many times where landlords raised rents or, you know, different people in the business had a hard time because this, that, or the other because of their um, situation with their lease. And I just really wanted to own. So um, I worked towards that. And, uh, that's great. you know, that's just been slow and steady wins the race for me. That's kind of been my motto so I love that not getting into too much debt not biting off more than I could chew not taking on investors just taking our little team and you know full steam ahead that's wonderful so I guess I kind of segues to my next question then so what's the what's the best advice especially for females entering the chef world that what would be your advice well, you do have to have thick skin, and you got to be in good shape, and it is a lot of physical work, as you said. And uh, But, again, just aligning yourself with the top people, finding people who give women the opportunity. I mean, Wolfgang was one of the ones who had a lot of women in his teams, and his, wa- his wife at the time, Barbara Lazaroff, was a huge proponent of all the women in the company. Wow. Uh, she took us to book at the United Nations building. She took all the women all the time in the company and would propel us forward. So finding wow. somebody like that who makes you is wanna a big supporter and makes you love Wolfgang you know, getting more. in with other colleagues who are in the same shoes as you. And, um, Incredible. Yeah, I mean, I just think finding, seeking out those people who really are going to to support you and push you along. That's incredible. So what's next for you, Jen? Well, I just want to keep, keep going with what i got going on now. I don't have any big plans, but, you know, I've thought down the road. I do miss having the interaction with having a storefront. I've thought about maybe one day I'll have a little storefront again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got that to think about. Um, we're working on a baking program and oh, I'm doing a lot with uh, gluten-free and uh, some of these other dietary things that have kind of become, especially in Los Angeles, really important to everyone. So we're working on uh, a bakery line that's that's addressing all of those needs, again, going with the flow of what is in front of you. And and if people are asking for those things all the time, you know, vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, all those allergies and things that people address. So doing research in those areas and... That's wonderful. But basically just continuing on and and enjoying, enjoying life and enjoying all the, the fruits of our labor and we never know what's coming next. That's what's so fun about it. For sure, for sure. I am so excited. Thank you, Jen. I can't wait to taste your food. I mean, let me ask you this. Okay, <laughs> fav- okay. Jennifer Naylor, favorite ingredient and favorite dish that you make yourself? Well, I think, you know, my Italian 
my time in Italy is always going to be a passion for me. So I love making pasta. It's really my favorite. We make all handmade pastas, which is also kind of rare in the catering world. Uh, So that's that pastas, risottos. That's just, that's my go-to whenever I go to the events and I cook with all my team. I always go straight for the, the pasta station. It's just something I love about it so much. Um, and I would love to cook for you, Winnie. Let's do <laughs> oh my it. gosh, for sure. I will certainly call you. Oh goodness. I, I don't know about you listening out there, but I don't I'm like starving thinking about Jen's food. But with that, huge, huge thank you, Jen, because I just know how busy you are and you know, you've got parties coming out of your ears. You're, <laughs> but for those of you who haven't experienced Jennifer Naylor's food, you definitely should. And with that, Jen, how do people keep in touch with you? How do they follow what you're doing? Well, we have uh, jennifernaylor.com. I, I just used my name for my business because so many people uh, knew about me already in Malibu and know my father and my grandfather in Los Angeles. So uh, jennifernaylor.com is our website, and that will link you to our blogs and our all our social media. We're constantly posting all the different things that we're working on, and um, yes, yeah, they can just follow along that way. Wait till you see the pictures on our website. They are so beautiful. And with that, yeah, absolutely. I, I invite you. I, I'll be on the website later today, and you should too. And so this is Winnie Sun, and thank you so much again for tuning in to Jennifer Naylor and myself on the Renegade Millionaire Show. To learn more about me, you can also find me similar. So it's jennifernaylor.com, and mine is winniesun.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter when I'm really active, and that's Sun Group WP. And with that, thanks again. I hope to hear from you next time. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thanks, Winnie. I appreciate it. See you soon. Thanks, Jen. Talk soon. Bye-bye.